Welcome to the season six premiere of the Making the Brand podcast. If you've been a longtime listener, thank you so much. But if you're new here, you're in for a treat because today's episode is over three years in the making. I'm chatting with the person who I consider my BSB BFF. Danielle is a fellow Backstreet Boys fangirl, and that's the foundation for our friendship. Danielle and I met online in 2019 and quite frankly, is the reason this podcast exists. In fact, the first time I was ever on a podcast was thanks to Danielle after she invited me on her show. A little backstory. So in 2019, I had recently left my corporate job and was trying to find my way as a marketer, but also as someone who loves pop culture. And for the first time ever, I decided to write a blog post that combined these two passions. The post was called BSB DNA, Marketing an Album in the New Millennium. And it examined how the Backstreet Boys' latest album, DNA, went to number one with the help of social media in comparison to when Millennium went to number one 20 years prior, before we had so many marketing tools at our fingertips. This blog post was so niche and I had no audience, but I knew fellow BSB fans could appreciate it. So I shared the link in the official BSB Facebook group that I'm in. That's when Danielle saw it. She then messaged me and invited me to discuss it on her show, the Meriwether Council podcast. Although I had never met Danielle, nor had I ever been on a podcast, period, Our conversation was one of the easiest, most fun conversations I'd ever had. I remember ending our call and thinking, I don't know what just happened, but whatever it is, I need more of it. I felt alive and like I'd found what I was truly passionate about. And that's how the Making the Brand podcast was born, a show where I can combine these two loves of mine with other people who feel the same way. I'm honored to return the favor to Danielle and host her on my show today. After all, this is all thanks to her. We've since met in person and have been to several Backstreet shows together. And we also talk pretty much all day, every day in our BSB group chat. She's a true friend. And I hope you enjoy this episode where we do a deep dive on the Backstreet Boys and their staying power after 30 years as a group. Welcome to Making the Brand, the podcast where marketing and pop culture collide. I'm your host, Brianne Fleming. I can't wait to chat about brands, boy bands, and everything in between, because brands who have a pulse on pop culture can create adoring fans of their own. I have wanted to bring Danielle on because she is the reason I even got into podcasting, but... (laughs) like, where do we even begin? We have so much to say about our favorite topic. That's true. true. (laughs) We definitely never stop talking about it. Yeah, it's true. All day, every day. So we'll see how long this goes. I don't have any plans for the rest of the day. I know we could talk about our boys forever, but Mm -hmm. uh, we'll try to be concise. As long as it takes is is my, (laughs) that's what I'm here for. 
Yeah, there's always going to be some campaign that we're working on. I think our next endeavor is to try to get BSB the Video Vanguard Award. Maybe we need like a whole just series dedicated to that movement because there's a lot. They deserve it. I, yeah, I'm fully on board for that. (laughs) We're ready for it. Yes. So as I mentioned, I would not have this show if it weren't for you. Like you really helped confirm that I was on the right path with like this weird kind of geeky obsession of both marketing and the Backstreet Boys and pop culture. So I I know I've said it before here and there, but I wanted to formally thank you because I've had a blast um, just hosting this and really feeling like I could be my authentic self. And Mm -hmm. you were one of the first people to to notice that and to appreciate it. So I appreciate you for doing that. (laughs) You are so welcome. I love it. I think it's a great intersection of topics. So I'm happy to have played a small part in it becoming, you know, part of the world. A big part, a big part. Well, speaking of authentic selves, we also know you're a diehard Backstreet Boys fan, but there's a lot more to you. You have an interest in marketing. You're an entrepreneur. You've done so many things. So if you could please tell us more about you and um, who you are, both as a Backstreet fan, but also professionally and and where you are uh, in your life right now. Sure. So most importantly, diehard Backstreet Boy fan. (laughs) for the past, I don't know, 22 years, 23 years. Um, But since then, also, I um, ran a small business for the past 12 years. And actually in the process of closing that business, as you know, but that was the big part of my last decade and a little bit of life. Um, And that business focused on teaching makers and artists and artisans how to sell their work online. I have a background in that. Uh, My formal education is in 3D fine arts with a concentration in fibers, which is all of your knitting, textile, embroidery sort of specialties. And uh, the school I went to, that was a sculpture major, but most people would apply it to like surface design or textiles in in some capacity. But I went on to just make um, utilitarian objects and sell them. And that is what I taught people, um, other people who were making objects, how to sell them online. So that's what I did for the last 12 years. Um, and yeah, I I love the Backstreet Boys. I love to chat business. And as you know, and as you like to do, the intersection of those two things, um, wherever it may land. So That's kind of me in a nutshell, unless you have any other specific questions I can answer for you. Yeah. I mean, I think the intersection of that, like even just the Backstreet Boys specifically, I think it's deeper than a lot of people realize. Like I surprise, Mm -hmm. we we surprise each other, I think, with how much we could go into this, just having a 30 year long career and all the things that they've done and all the different innovations and things that they've stood the test of time and have had to market themselves in. Yeah. So many different ways. I think that it's easy to forget that bands, musicians, recording artists are effectively small businesses. Like, yeah. so there, there's really like no shortage, especially with the Backstreet Boys and having such a long career. Um, there's really no shortage of like ways to sort of like look into the things they've done and like find examples that relate to business um, or marketing. So it's fun. 
I think it's it's more fun to look at that than, you know, like a book, uh, you know, like a textbook marketing, whatever. Yeah. Um, like so, 500 companies and stuff. Yeah. If those are, if those are our two interests and they happen to overlap, then I'm there for that. Perfect. Yeah. And would you say the Backstreet Boys have been a part of your journey as an artist too? Like, I know you've made some pieces and things like, do you have a Backstreet Boys sculpture that you've made like in, in school? Um, <laughs> Not, not really. I wouldn't say that they've influenced any of my like serious art making, but I don't do a lot of serious art making. Um, I did make a Nick Carter doll once Ooh. a very long time ago. And um, it was based on a little pattern that we had for like making a Santa Claus doll. So I just used like the body, but it wasn't like, it wasn't like, you know, it didn't look like it could have been anybody, but <laughs> it's Saint Nick. I didn't use the body pattern um, to make <laughs> the the doll, and um, it was adorable. I think, uh, but that's that's really, you know, like it's more like a for, for crafting. Or I'll I'll get into like DIY, like some of the merch. You know, it needs a little bit of an edit once you bring it home. So I'll get into yeah. that. <laughs> but um, yeah, I just I've more like admired their artistry. Mm -hmm. in that sense. So yeah. just another way I sort of appreciate them. Yeah. Well, maybe you need to bring out your Nick doll and do like a St. Nick ver version for their Christmas album. So, oh my gosh. Yeah. Little St. Nick, <laughs> little Santa Claus. <laughs> so I'd love to just reflect back a little bit. I think both of us have such fond memories of first becoming Backstreet Boys fans. So I would love for you to take Absolutely. us back to those those moments those formative years where we fell in love i think the backstreet boys were our first loves yes. um so what was what was that like growing up okay well i i remember vividly and specifically where i was and what i was doing when i became a backstreet boy fan mm -hmm. um and before that i really was like sort of like either way about them i just liked you know i liked nsync i liked the backstreet boys but i wasn't like fully committed to either um, but then I saw the video premiere for I Want It That Way on TRL. I was standing in my bedroom watching it on TV. And I was like, what am I doing? This is, I need to commit. Like, <laughs> there is no, there is no other option. Um, any thought I had before this of potentially um, devoting my life to NSYNC is out the window. Wrong mm -hmm. decision. Um, so then and there, I decided that I was a Backstreet Boy girly for life. <laughs> Yes. Um, I don't know what it was. It was probably that like vintage Carter, the bowl cut, the hair, the hair, just the, the blue, the vibes were right. Everything was perfect. Um, and the rest is history, but yeah, that was the moment and yeah. haven't turned back. Yeah, I know it's, <laughs> we really haven't like, they are still super relevant. We're still going to their shows. Not yeah. only have we not you know, wavered on our loyalty, but we are still very active mm -hmm. and so are they. I mean, we, we need them to be active for us to be active as fans, but my goodness, yeah. that was a good choice because I don't know what you would be mm. doing or how you would be expressing your fandom if you went the sync route, unfortunately. Yes. I would probably be mm, devastated. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I actually think I'm more active now than I've ever been. Yeah. In my, uh, fanaticism yeah and now that um, we're like adults and we could be <laughs> yeah now be that crazy resources and, to be insane yeah um 
We don't so, have yeah. to ask our parents if we could fly to a show across the country. We could just do it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which we're doing next week, actually. We'll be at the Nashville uh, show. That's so right. can't wait for that. So there was a point in time where we reviewed what our fangirl archetypes are. Yes. I declared myself as a frequent flyer. Um, although you've been doing a lot of frequent flying too, but I love to hop on a, a plane and make a, a trip out of a, a show. Mm -hmm. But through and through, you were the merch queen and you're wearing some merch right now. Like right. you have so much Backstreet merch. I don't know if you want to like give a brief overview of your collection and just describe what you have, but I want to know why you love expressing yourself through merch and why it's so meaningful to you. I think really at the heart of it, it's like I used to be like super self-conscious about like wearing merch or you because, you know, back in the day, kids, <laughs> kids can be, yeah, you know, being like mercilessly bullied for anything. Um, and I would, you know, was not as like loud and proud about my Backstreet Boy fanaticism. Yeah. Uh, so I think that that's one reason why I just love the merch now because I'm like, this is what I like. This is who I am. Like, whatever. Yeah. It's like making up um, for lost time on the playground of not wearing yeah. it then. <laughs> yeah. And also, like, I mean, some of it is cool. Like, I mean, I'm not going to wear something that I think is straight up ugly, but I think, you know, it's, it's kind of, more you see it more uh mainstream now i think like any kind of band shirt like they sell band shirts at like target yeah you know like the old school bands and whatever i think it's it's like more fashionably acceptable to like wear like a band shirt even if you yeah. like don't know anything about the band um so that's one thing <laughs> yeah quick sidebar on that i saw you've probably seen it because our tiktok algorithm is exactly mm -hmm. the same we've determined yeah, but I saw this guy who will go on the street and he'll find people wearing band shirts yeah. and he'll be like, you know, they're wearing an AC. Can you name shirt. three songs or whatever? Yeah. Can you name three songs? And they literally can't. So I hope yeah. you get stopped. That would street. never happen to me. Yeah. I would be like, sir, I can name 300. Yeah. Are <laughs> you ready? You because I will start right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, you Although can, I do think that is like sort of obnoxious to like, just like be like bothering people about like, what are they wearing? It is, but yeah. I would be able to answer the question. So yes, you're prepared to be there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I love, I love to like buy the merch. I don't know. I just feel like it kind of like connects to the, the event. It's also like sort of, you know, a memento or a way of like documenting, like I was there, like I was obsessed yeah. with getting the DNA tour jacket. Like I just decided like I need that. Yeah. And the next show I went to was gonna be my 10th show. <laughs> so it's like oh. it's it's an heirloom now. I like I don't even have a choice. I need to have it. And it's going to be an heirloom for my child. Yes. And they're gonna wear it to school like 25 years from now and be like, Yeah, my mom saw this tour 10 times. <laughs> and your child will so, be able to name 300 yeah. actually boys. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Raise them correctly. Yeah. So it just kind of shifted into like, these are heirlooms, um, mementos of my past. Yeah. Would you say that the majority of the merch that you own is from the shows? Like you don't do a lot of online shopping, like you proactively seek it out to get it from a show because you could have well, gotten the jacket online. Right. I mean, well, 
long story, but no, because it used to be there. And then by the time I decided I needed it, it wasn't anymore. Mm. Um, but I think that unfortunately, um, I do need to look online because the merch at the shows is limited and also not only is not good. Yeah. <laughs> so there's like some unofficial merch that I've also purchased. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I like to buy it at the show because I feel like that's like a different, you know, it's like a different experience. Like yeah. it's part of the experience. Yeah. Then it just becomes a quest to get yeah. the merch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel like it's like, it's like an elevated merch to buy it at the show. Yeah. 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 You it's could think of it fun. fondly. It's like part of the fun of going. And it's not just backstreet merch that you do this for. I know with John Mayer and stuff, like you, oh, yeah. you're you're a concert tea kind of girl. Which yes, I, I do. I love to have the concert tea and like the one, you know, with the dates on the back. Yeah. And I know for sure I used to have some like back in the day, like I saw Millennium and I saw Black and Blue. Um, but I I feel like those have just been lost to time. Um mm-hmm. So I've gone back to like eBay and like refound shirts and stuff. And I love to do that kind of thing too, like the vintage merch scoping. So yeah, you found some gems. I still love my millennium ornament that you got me. I cherish that so much. It's on display year round, not even just for Christmas. It's it's got to be out. It's on my little shelf back here. (laughs) So thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. Love us some merch. So before we can talk about the Backstreet Boys longevity across Mm -hmm. almost 30 years, we Mm -hmm. need to talk about the early days. So, you know, both of us love entrepreneurship and marketing and geeky stuff like that. And Mm -hmm. I say this all the time, like the Backstreet Boys are what taught me about brand loyalty (laughs) before Mm -hmm. McDonald's and Burger King or any other kind of competition. Like we were and still are fiercely loyal to the Backstreet Boys. Yes. But especially at a time when they had lots of competition and so many other boy bands and the Backstreet Instinct rivalry is still going on TikTok. And you even Mm -hmm. have a TikTok video where you've said, if you see a a heated debate about this, to tag Mm -hmm. you because you're ready to jump in at at any time. You've got bullet points. I do. (laughs) Which we'll get to. I will back you up. Like, just tag me in. I'm there. You're there. We don't have to know each other. I've never, (laughs) never speak to you before in my life. I don't care. Just tag me in. Yes. Because you're automatically soul sisters. If if you know that person has chosen the Backstreet Boys, it's just. Yes. You, you know, there's something right. (laughs) Yes. So, Okay. If I could offer a little bit of a backstory, because I want to talk about competition for the Backstreet Boys, specifically in sync, because you and I know the Backstreet backstory, if you will, but a lot mm-hmm. of listeners on here might not know to the full extent of how things went down. So uh, I want to give a bit of backstory about a man named Lou Perlman. So yeah. The Backstreet Boys the story yeah. doesn't include him. It, it doesn't end well, really. I mean, for him. Um, so the Backstreet Boys formed in Orlando in 1993 with the help of a man named Lou Perlman. He was a very successful businessman. Um, he made his living from aviation. Like he flew blimps and was in the blimp industry, which is pretty interesting. But he invested in the Backstreet Boys at a 
you know, from day one, um, helping them with rehearsals, even helping to put them together and kind of recruit the group and getting them tutors and just, you know, feeding them even as, you know, from their rehearsals and all these things that they were doing. So he really put them on the map and financially backed them and and managed them. And as you know, one day Lou said to himself, you know, right when the Backstreet Boys were getting a taste of success, he said, well, wait a minute, Coke has Pepsi. Someone else is going to try to do this and create our competition. So why not let it be me? So that's when he went around and took his formula and did the exact same thing and created in sync. Mm-hmm. So we, I we mean, talk- I think it's, it's brilliant to create your own ripoff brand because if there's, you know, five things on the shelf and you own four of them, yeah, like a high end and a low end, even if people pick the low end, you're still winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I do think that he kind of was brilliant in that way, although it does seem moderately diabolical because it's not products that we're talking about. It's humans, but yeah, you know. I, I always love to say this, like when we talk about Backstreet's back, that is literally what Lou Perlman stabbed when he made it in sync. He yeah. stabbed them in the back. Yeah. And um, it was an ugly ending where he was cheating them out of money and he was in all these um, Ponzi schemes and they ultimately had to sue him and, and get out of that relationship. And he went to jail and ultimately died, died in jail. But yeah, so I... I'm a little biased, but I think just on purely this basis of how InSync was created, kind of as a direct competition to um to to the Backstreet Boys, like I feel like for that reason alone, mm-hmm. people more people should be Backstreet fans because of how this came yeah, about. I I really agree because so I was reviewing, like I know the story, but I kind of like get did a little review of it this morning to yeah. be prepared. And I, I saw anything, something that I Yes. I saw something that I had not seen before, which was that apparently in his like, he had the blimps, but he also had like aircraft that he would rent out. And he, I guess, chartered one of his aircrafts to new kids on the block. And he was like, how do these kids have enough money to rent this airplane? And he was just like found out and then was like, oh my gosh, I could do that. Um, So it was, it started about money. I mean, obviously as a business person, that's what it is, but like, it was all about money. And so he found his first five guys and made a band out of them. And then this, but I feel like the second time you do that is like, it's really about money. And like, it's really contrived. Like, you know what you're doing. Um, And it's more deliberate at that point. So I think that this is something that will probably come up. But like the fact that the Backstreet Boys sort of endured even because of that, like being sort of put together and whatever. Mm-hmm. I know in the documentary, there's a little quote from Nick where he says it's like Pinocchio. They they were manufactured, but they became real. Yes. <laughs> um, you know, the bond is real between them. And I think the commitment to their work is real. And I think that is something that sets them apart from NSYNC. And I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. Yeah. The brotherhood. So, but yeah, Lou Perlman sort of like a bittersweet 
thing there because like we wouldn't have the Backstreet Boys without him, but also he's a terrible person. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, just like you said, I mean, to think about what they, they went through and it was all pretty, I mean, we were so young, but I don't really remember it going down at the time. Like there was so much more going on behind the scenes. Like it's miraculous that both groups, you know, even endured, um, and continued after all of that. And just the stuff they had to deal with behind the scenes. It's like toxic, a toxic culture, even in boy bands. I mean, and the, the thing he ultimately went to jail for wasn't even this. It was like some other scheme he was running. But yeah, he had people like investing in his like record company or, or yeah, his uh, transcontinental. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a, a whole thing. So for more on this, more more details, I'm kind of glossing over some of the details because yeah. it, it is so complicated. Um, but there is a a documentary called Boy Band Con, uh, mm-hmm. produced by Lance Bass, that really gets into it. And uh, I even convinced my husband to watch it with me and my parents. It's like that interesting yeah. going to documentaries and stuff. Yeah, a lot of it wasn't even like hyper boy band focused. It was more on like the business end of like, look at all the shady stuff this man. Yeah, did. yeah, yeah. And and who doesn't love to watch a train wreck like that? Exactly. <laughs> see, see documentaries like that. So exactly. Highly recommend it. So um, what are your thoughts? I want to get into this a little bit. What are your thoughts on what set the Backstreet Boys apart? And I know you kind of already touched on some of this, but is there any more to add as far as how they differentiated themselves from NSYNC or just how they how they went through that when it was so just kind of crowded in that boy yeah. band category? Like why, why are they enduring and how wh- what's part of their dynamic that allowed them to continue like this? Well, I really think the biggest difference between the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC is not like who's more talented or better dancer, better songs or anything like that. I think it's the Backstreet Boys were committed to each other um, from the beginning and had like, yes, they got lucky to have a bond between them that endured, but they committed to each other and to the work they were doing. And they are a cohesive unit. The Backstreet Boys. I feel like NSYNC, everyone kind of knew it was contrived and like knew exactly what was going to happen because there was this precedent already set. Um, and I think that not everyone in NSYNC was in it for the long haul as a cohesive unit. And some of them saw it as a launch pad. And yeah. so you can't have a long term success if not everybody in the unit is committed to that long term group success. So I think that's the biggest thing that sets the Backstreet Boys apart from NSYNC specifically is not everyone in NSYNC was for the team's success. They were for success, but not necessarily the team's long term. So I think the Backstreet Boys, even when they do um, side projects or like solo little things, they're still like it's for the Backstreet Boys first. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas some of the other people in the other bands are sort of like self first yeah, and found their self success and never looked back. So I think that is why we still see the Backstreet Boys around today. Mm -hmm. So they have that solid foundation first and foremost. Yeah. 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 And I mean, as far as, being in a group and group dynamics, I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy for 
the rest of the guys in, in sync besides Justin and, and JC, I mean, to not have a, a big part vocally, I'm not trying to throw shade. I mean, that's just the truth. Yeah. Um, and the Backstreet Boys, I mean, they've had like mixes of, you know, who takes lead vocals on different songs and things, but ultimately it just felt more like a group than just having like a clear leader. Yes. And I can imagine I behind the scenes, so. it's not fun. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think everyone always looked at NSYNC as like Justin Timberlake and the, the rest. Mm-hmm. And maybe like very early on, I think like a Nick and Brian thing might have emerged in the Backstreet Boys. Like, oh, the, it's Nick and Brian and they're like the main guys. But I don't think that that lasted long enough for it to be like the legacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whereas I really think the the legacy of NSYNC is Justin Timberlake. Yeah. Which yeah. is sad (laughs) but I really can't think of anything else like yeah I don't know that's when I when I think of NSYNC I think of Justin Timberlake yeah and you know not to not to latch on to the Nick and Brian thing but you and I have had some discussions lately that AJ was right there (laughs) with them as far as how many verses he had and we were going through and trying to think of like iconic AJ Mm -hmm. lines and it's like oh my god we're back again AJ. Yes. The larger than life scream. I mean, this could be a whole episode in itself, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I definitely think that it was, uh, it was more balanced in in the Backstreet Boys, not balanced, but more balanced Mm -hmm. than it was um, for NSYNC. Yeah. And I think Howie's role was really pivotal because in the early days, I mean, he was being groomed to be the lead singer and Mm -hmm. one thing led to another and how he ended up taking a step back. And I think, gosh, I think that takes such maturity, especially at that age to Mm -hmm. be willing to take, take a step back and, you know, not to be bitter about it. And so I think that's mm -hmm. another thing, like committed to what the group needs or yeah what is best for the success of the group and not like, Oh, less Howie means the Backstreet Boys are more successful, but like yeah. he knew like everyone kind of had their role and those yeah. roles were more balanced. Cause I think everyone had their role in NSYNC as well, but they weren't balanced. Yeah. They <laughs> and they, you know, people weren't, the roles weren't jiving together. No pun intended, <laughs> but um, you you yeah. 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 And I think first and foremost, I mean, the Backstreet Boys will tell you that they are a vocal harmony group and it truly mm-hmm. takes all five voices Yeah, and they, they lead with the music first. And there's always that debate, you know, oh, sync was better dancers and they were a little bit perhaps livelier on stage, which come to a Backstreet Boys show, um, will convert you, right. okay. sure. <laughs> but like, whatever you, know, you need to sleep at night. Yeah. So, but for, for the Backstreet Boys, I mean, it truly was about the music first. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's really powerful. And it's still about the music to this day. Yeah. I feel like NSYNC, like they all wanted to be, they all wanted to be stars or -hmm. like they wanted to like do whatever they had to do to be famous. Yeah. And the Backstreet Boys were like, we want to do whatever we have to do. I feel like NSYNC people are going to hear this and be like, of course you and say that. Yeah. I know. But like the Backstreet Boys were like, if we 
can reach success doing these specific things, mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like Wait, it's, I want, it's different. I want to, on that note, show some love to your, your fave, Nick, because okay. also, I mean, yeah, twist my arm. Um, <laughs> also, what I don't think a lot of people know, I mean, diehard fans know this, but at the time in 93 or maybe even earlier in 92, Nick got an offer to be on the Mickey Mouse Club for $50,000 at what, 12 years old. And he turned that down to go be in the group. He said, I want to do the group thing. And $50,000 to a preteen kid and also his family that seems like they were kind of struggling, perhaps financially, not, you know, the most solid foundation. Like, Mm -hmm. I think that set the tone, perhaps. For the whole group. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is so interesting. Like, how could he have known? Or like, I don't know. Yeah. Thank goodness. Because obviously, but yeah, it's like, there was something there. He, mm-hmm. he must have felt like, you know, this is, this is special. Yeah. Um, And I, I would argue that like being in a, in a standalone group like that is seem probably seems more significant. Mm-hmm. In terms of like a career, yeah, and being on the Mickey Mouse Club, which is significant, but is definitely not like for the life of your career, yeah, as a lifespan. But I still would have thought like if if I were him, I probably would have wanted to put like you know yeah, I'm young, I'm trying to forge my right. own path and make a name for me individually. Right now, I want to make it big. Like, I don't know if I would have done the same thing. I'm like, I'm being noticed by the Mickey Mouse Club. Like I can start making a name for myself individually. Why would I at this early age, like opt for a group thing? You know, just so smart. Yeah. The zone of genius strikes again. Uh, He really is a genius though. Yeah. Yeah. To be continued on that. That's a whole other uh, (laughs) tangent we could go on. Um. Okay. So we've talked about, you know, just truly how lucky we are that we're in our thirties. These guys are still on tour, still releasing new albums. Like we are so blessed yet. So Mm -hmm. spoiled. Um, Backstreet Boys, if you're listening, thank you. (laughs) Um, So what are some things, some other things, I mean, we've kind of touched on a few already, but what are some things that you think have contributed to their long career. Um, I mean, they've even had moments with, you know, two albums without Kevin and they still pressed on. We call those the dark years, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, what are, what are the factors that, why are we still able to go to Backstreet Boys shows today? Mind boggling. Yeah. I mean, I think like you were talking about brand loyalty earlier, like, why are we so like, why are we so loyal to this? And like same question why are we still able to be like enjoying this currently now like they're literally still on tour now and like still doing things in the present um I think a lot of it goes back to that like they're a cohesive unit they're committed to each other and what that brings to their dynamic and longevity like you mentioned the albums that they did without Kevin when Kevin like went to like have kids and took a little break. How long was the break? Like six years or I don't know, something like that. Yeah. I should know, but I don't. I know it was was 2006 and then 
you know, he was back for in a world like yeah. this. Yeah. So it was probably about six years. So like in those six years, like they still did what had to be done and were still like, those were not like you weren't hearing them on the radio. Yeah. You weren't like hearing about them anywhere. Like it wasn't in the new, like nothing. So true. Um, but people, which I feel like that is an indication that like, it's not about just being famous and making zillions of dollars. It's mm -hmm. about like continuing to do the work. Um, yeah. And people were still going. I mean, I went to some shows during that time when Kevin wasn't there. Yeah. Um, so I think that the fact that they're, they will continue to do the work, even when the situation is not in their favor, um, is very meaningful. Yeah. And that obviously gives us something to do and like latch onto, but it also gives us something to like admire about them. Like that's huge that you're willing to continue to do the work, even when it's not, you know, smashing any records. Yeah. So I think that's kind of interesting to look at too. And, and the fact that they kept doing it even without Kevin. Yeah. That they were willing to do that. They didn't replace him. Mm -hmm. I don't even know if that was ever really a serious consideration. I yeah. think they've joked about it, <laughs> but I don't think they ever really seriously considered doing that. Yeah. And then Kevin came back and then everything's been great. They're stronger and, and better than ever. And I mean, you're right. They truly were the dark years. I mean, not only just because it's somber without Kevin and it feels no pun intended, it feels incomplete, but you're right. From a promotional standpoint, it was like everything went dark. Yeah, just like it wasn't happening. Yeah. I mean, but there's some considerations too at that point. Like TRL wasn't a thing anymore. And like that was a huge driver in yeah. the like Millennium Black and Blue. Mm -hmm. even, even maybe like, well, probably not. I was going to say never. And gone, the Backstreet Boys were a huge that. driver for MTV and TRL, which they seem to yeah. have forgotten. We need to remind them um, mm -hmm. and get them that award. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. I think the fact, the surrounding factors have to be considered, you know, MTV wasn't what it was and TRL didn't exist anymore. And yeah, probably some changes with radio and like the shift away from like actually buying CDs and like just mm. downloading stuff. And then, you know, Apple or whatever, iTunes, whatever it used yeah. to be called. <laughs> um, so like there was definitely a shift in the industry as well, but they stuck it out, which I feel yeah. like matters. Um, yeah. So they've always had each other's backs. Yeah. They've, they've always had each other's backs. I mean, not to kind of go down this more uh, again, somber dark years kind of comment, but even when AJ went to rehab, like mm -hmm. they were, they were distraught and they, you know, I think about that TRL interview and how they're all pretty much crying. I know I want to hug them all. Well, I always want to hug them all, but oh. especially in that moment. And you know, they could have kept pressing on. I mean, they did press on after he got out, but they could have like kept trying to sweep that under the rug or just, you know, minimize the problem. But mm -hmm. it's always that brotherhood first. You gotta, you gotta love them. Yeah. I think that for me is like one of the reasons why I'm so attracted to like them as a group. Mm -hmm. It's like that brotherhood dynamic. And like, you've heard me say this before, but like compared to like 98 degrees they just there's nothing there between them like you watch them there's like 
no chemistry between them. And I'm like, that has to be why they just like never got as successful as like NSYNC or the Backstreet Boys. But I think the Backstreet Boys between them have so much chemistry. Yeah. And And like how they genuinely care about each other and what they're doing. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I love their like just behind the scenes antics of them just being themselves going to play golf or, you know, and Nick was blasting the music on his tour bus to like wake AJ up. Like it's just so special. It really is adorable. (laughs) So it's impossible not to love them as, as we've discussed. It is. Yeah. So you've run your own business for a while, 12 years. You did Mm -hmm. such an amazing thing. I mean, I, I tell you all the time, but I feel like you really should look back on everything you've built with your business and be so proud of that, that you've stuck with something for 12 years and you built something amazing. Um, you've also had a team that you've worked with over the years and you've, you've worked in groups before. And I always say this about the Backstreet Boys. I mean, it's like a 30 year long group project, which I probably could never survive. Um, but that's essentially what they're doing. So from your experience and through your entrepreneurial lens, and maybe also as a, a Backstreet fan, what are the keys to you know, working in groups. I mean, we've, we've discussed Mm -hmm. why their group dynamic works. Maybe you have more to add on that, but what lessons can we learn from the Backstreet Boys when it comes to working with groups and working with other people? Well, I think, I think commitment to the same end goal is huge. And you've probably heard them say this, that it was like their first marriage. Yes. (laughs) Like like Backstreet Boys is like a first marriage. And I think a lot of the same principles probably apply. Um, some of the, some of the best marriage advice that we like, my husband and I, is that it's it's us versus the problem, not us versus each other. Yes, and I think that that is like really interesting to think about. Like the you have to all, both or all in this case be committed to the same end goal. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it's not going to work, which we spoke about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be willing to be like courteous and like yield to each other sometimes, but also to collaborate, um, and creatively like, you know, come together. And I think that they, they do that really well. I mean, obviously I don't know the in the inner workings of their relationship between each other, but they must be doing it because we you know every now and then you get a peek into like their debating or you know they gotta like figure something out and there's some people want one thing and some people want something else um but they work it out like and it's very similar to marriage in that way right like you have to compromise and but still be like collaborative to get to that same end goal but i think that is like the underlying uh big big thing Mm -hmm. is that they have commitment to the same goal in the end yeah. Otherwise, there would be more fragmentation and we would see that. Yeah. And they would have to put on more of an act to be a cohesive unit. Yeah. And they're not good actors. I'm, I'm happy to say that. I don't care. <laughs> they're not good actors. Yeah. Uh, so I don't think that they would be able to pull that off. Yeah. So it has to be genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would even say it's probably maybe even harder than a marriage. I mean, there's more people involved. Yes. There's More millions people. of dollars involved. 
you know, it's, it's on display for the whole world to see like your every move and what you decide, like there is just so much on the line when most couples, we could make those decisions kind of privately and not so publicly with so much at stake. So and it it's really also is. still a business. Like your marriage is not a business. I mean, right. it's a contract, but it's not a business. Yeah. And so they're sort of like have to have this per- interpersonal commitment to each other, like in a marriage, but also they have to be like business partners, which is completely different. Like yeah. when I'm doing business, I'm acting a different way than I am as a, in a marriage. Mm-hmm. So some of it is definitely harder like it's just there's more layers to it and more people obviously really add something so yeah yeah but in the end it's on you know both types of relationships I mean it's it's all about compromise and you might not get your way every single time but it's Mm -hmm. more you know the better of of the marriage or the better of the group yeah yeah and I think I've definitely probably heard them say this too because this sounds familiar but like even because all of them are actually married it's almost like 10 people involved because yes. you have to kind of consider your actual marriage mm-hmm. so it's there's a lot going on and i think that that's definitely there's definitely like complications that come from that and i think it's incredible that any 10 people any five people could continue to work well together for that long under those conditions yeah well yeah Shout out to the Backstreet Wives who share their husbands with us <laughs> right, so graciously like, and and also their kids and just what a life. <laughs> yeah, they just let them travel the world and show up for us. I mean, you're right. It, it's it's about compromise and also sacrifice from so many different different parties and we're the ones who get to benefit. So we're we're so lucky. I know it's, it really just like, if you really think about it, it's like a miracle that they still exist or that any, any band, any group, but there's so many groups in history that they're not the same 10, five people who started the group. Yeah. There have been bands like we replaced our drummer or singer, like Fleetwood Mac, like so many examples of like, it's not the same five people. So you got to find the right five people to endure all of these various circumstances. So we just kind of got lucky that they found each other the first time. Thanks, Lou, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) What a bittersweet. Yeah. Well, I mean, on that note, I I mean, I am so stoked for their 30 year next year. I mean, Mm -hmm. we don't know what's planned, but we're hoping there are big plans. And I think it's fair to say that I mean, they're, they're legends. They're legends already. Even if they never tour again, knock on wood, I, right. I still think they're back and better than ever. And there's a lot more to come, but I mean, what would you say about their everlasting legacy? Not even just for us as fans, but how they're maybe even just perceived by the general public, like in the stamp that they've made on pop culture, like yeah, she boys as a whole, any thoughts on that? Well, I think like the the common go-to like tagline for them is like the best-selling boy band of all time. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what they're like known for. Um, but I do think that they're still like held in this little like prison of 1999 where it's like no like some like people who aren't tapped in 
kind of don't associate them with anything beyond that. But that happens yeah. a lot. Like how people yeah. are still like, oh, Mbop Hansen. Yeah. <laughs> it's done so much since Mbop, but okay, stick to yeah. that. Um, so I do think that's kind of like unfortunate, but that if that's what people would recognize them for and are still recognizing them for it today, I do think that is significant. Yeah. Um, so even though it's annoying to always have to hear like every article you read about the Backstreet Boys, like Backstreet's back, like yeah, Nash hit millennium, whatever. Like that, if the average person doesn't know. Yeah, my 10-year-old self is screaming, like, no, my 32-year-old self is screaming. <laughs> like, yeah, they've done so much more. That, yeah. That's one but, thing that does kind of bother me is like when people are like, even like little things like on TikTok. I try not to tag like 90s nostalgia on like all the, the things because I'm like, it's not 90s. It's 2022. This happened yes. last week. Like, mm -hmm. yes, you might remember them from 1999, but this happened this month of yeah. this year. So um, but I think it's it's fun to have that. The fact that, you know, you were with them then and you're with them now and there is like that nostalgic factor, I think is fun. Yeah. But I think that best-selling boy band of all time, not a terrible tagline to follow you around for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. And if, if they have to be known for something and it's, I want it that way or Backstreet's back, like that's fine. So staying power. Pretty, pretty decent things to be associated with. So we know I want it that way can heal the world. In fact, I just... Yes. <laughs> I just referenced it last week in my lecture for my social media and pop culture course. I was trying to like explain why pop culture is often an effective tool to, to bring people together and why brands yeah. should tap into it more and how it brings people from such, you know, diverse backgrounds. It gives us something in common to relate to yeah. and kind of identify with and share together. And I shared one of the many clips, this has happened multiple times, of the New York City subway. There's people on the subway, mm -hmm. one of the most probably diverse groups of people you could find. And mm -hmm. they're all singing, I want it that way together. Yes. And I'm like, look at this magic, everyone. I mean, I know I'm biased, but that song can no, heal the world. <laughs> absolutely. I remember we were on vacation once with like, my family and everyone was like so hangry just starving and tired and upset and couldn't find anything to eat and i was like we need to sing the happy song and they're like what's the happy song <laughs> and i put on i want it that way and everyone was just committed to singing the happy song yes for three minutes and then we found something to eat but i'm like look you feel better now <laughs> it worked we need to try that on our uh future children at some point to see if it like cures them from crying. I think it's going to work. It's going to be like a really good, yeah, soothing, soothing song. It still soothes Absolutely. me to this day, when I, even when I'm hangry and stuff. So, Absolutely. well, speaking of groups and, you know, group dynamics and people that you lean on and people who support you and, you know, your goals, I've found that in you and also in Brit yeah. and Kelsey and our BSB group chat that we have. And it's just, it's, it's beautiful that the Backstreet Boys have brought us together. And I wish they, I mean, I know they hear stories all the time, but mm. I i wish they knew like the impact they've had on my life, not only leading up to like this point, but even just, just meeting you guys and yeah. the experiences that we've shared just in the, in the last 
few years since, you know, 2019, 2020, when we first connected, it's, it's, you know, I have a lot to be thankful for and I'm thankful for you and our fellow fangirl friends that we've met along the way. Yes, absolutely. Likewise, such like powerful connections that we've made because of this one thing in common. Yes. And the memories will continue. I will see you next week in Mm -hmm. Nashville. (laughs) We will be at the show. We have lots of TikToks to make, as you mentioned. Um, So yeah, it's going to be a blast. And I'm, Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm so grateful to know you and I'm excited for 60 years of Backstreet fandom together. (laughs) Oh my God, please let me be 95 (laughs) at a Backstreet Boys show. I've thought about this. Like maybe we should go like if they do a 30 year residency in Vegas, like maybe we should just go half seas on like an investment property out there that we rent out the majority of the year. But but then it's, you know, for us when we want to go to like 12 shows back to back, I think, I think that's what adult fangirls do. I think it's a, a good idea. So I, it would probably save some money yeah. <laughs> by the time you stay in the hotel. It would make Vegas. us money because it would also be an investment. That's so, right. You know, That's right. the gears well, are you always know how turning. I feel about like, you know, I've had this idea before, like set up themed Airbnbs right outside the Vegas Strip for so whichever good. residencies are going on. Who wouldn't want to stay at the Backstreet Boy themed Airbnb? during the Backstreet Boy residency. And it could rotate that. Yes. I think it has a lot of potential. A lot of legs. All right. We're going to have to like schedule a meeting after this. Yeah. The sharks. uh, Are you interested? Yes. Exciting investment (laughs) opportunity. Fangirl bed and breakfast coming right up. It it really has potential. I I think so. We need a loop Roman to come in and donate. (laughs) Write us a check. Please, but then yeah, also the check and then get lost. Yeah, but make sure you know we still get our cut of that right check later. Yeah, a better contract. Yeah, <laughs> we've learned from their mistakes. So, well, this has been a blast. I know there's going to be more to come from us. I don't know what it is, but we could talk about this all day, every day. So I'm so excited to see you next week in Nashville. And again, I want to thank you for being my BSB BFF. Oh my gosh, you are so welcome. And thank you for having me, for talking about this, for bringing these important issues to the forefront, for educating people. That's what our platforms are for, if nothing else. This is our mission. If any of your listeners ever find themselves in a BSB versus NSYNC debate, just tag me in. I'm there. We don't have to know each other. We never have to speak again. Just, I will be there. Yes. And your TikTok is great. I don't know if you want to drop the, the handle. You're oh my gosh. Cool. I can if you if you want me to. It's Danielle underscore reacts. Yes. It's a gold mine of BSB content and amazing commentary. So, so silly, but go check her out. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Hope we didn't, you know, make any NSYNC fans angry. We still have love in our heart, but you know, get with the program. I Look, mean, facts are facts. I didn't write this history. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I had nothing to do with it. I simply reported on it. Fair. Fair enough. All right. Well, I'll catch you next time. Thank you so much for, for doing this. And again, I hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. 
for marketing wisdom with a pop culture twist sent straight to your inbox? Sign up for my newsletter at briannefleming.com slash newsletter or find me on Twitter at Brianne2K. As always, thanks for listening.